You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Imagine with me, if you can, for just a moment, a teenage farm girl from the countryside walking into the halls of the Pentagon, demanding to speak to the Secretary of Defense, claiming that she had a message from God on how to end all terrorism that was aimed toward the United States and her allies. The story would probably make national headlines with every news portal and social media feed calling her a lunatic, calling her outrageous. She'd probably end up in a mental institute or maybe even prison. The last thing that people would think was that this young girl had actually heard a message from God. Well, that's Precisely the same scenario in a modern context of what happened in 1429 in France when a 17-year-old farm girl, uneducated, very humble, who would later become known as Joan of Arc, would lead the nation of France to victory. She was never taught how to read or write, but she had a passion for prayer and for the church from an early young age. At the age of 12, she began hearing uh, visions and voices, and she claimed that in her father's garden, angels would visit her, telling her specifically how God was going to use her one day to change her nation. In his book, Seven Women, author Eric Metaxas shares the incredible story of Joan of Arc, defying all logic against all odds, how this young girl heard the voice of God prophesied and carried out a victory for France over England in the Hundred Years' War. It was a story that was marked by people, pain, and promptings. Well, today we close out our Whisper series as we've been discovering how to hear the voice of God. And listen, if there's one thing that we need right here and right now in our day and age, it's for the people of God to hear the voice of God. God. There are so many voices that are vying for your attention. We need to know what voices to tune out and how to tune in to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We kicked off this series with the author of Whisper himself, Mark Batterson, during our first Sunday gathering at the Listening Room Cafe. He asked the all-important question, who's the loudest voice in your life? In week two, I talked about how God would often speak through scripture and silence And then last week in our third Sunday devotional, I shared how God speaks through doors, dreams, and desires. Today, we're going to wrap up the series talking about three other love languages of God's voice, pain, promptings, and people. And listen, if you've missed any part of this series, don't worry. You can catch up through our YouTube page or our podcast. I would highly encourage you to subscribe to that. All of our messages are on demand at any given point. People, pain, and promptings. You know, when we look at the Bible, the most common way that God speaks to his people is through his people. The prophet Nathan spoke the hard truth to King David. Mordecai spoke purpose and promise into his niece Esther. And Paul spoke encouragement into a young protege by the name of Timothy. You know, God will often use other people to confirm what he's already stirring in your, in your heart. We call this uh, confirmation of some sorts. You know, in 2016, I was starting to feel this shifting in my calling as a worship pastor when I lived in Washington, D.C. At the same time, Sarah and I were both feeling drawn 
back to Nashville. Now, we just didn't know why our hearts were being so drawn to Music City, but over the course of a couple of weeks, we would understand exactly why. It all started with me getting all of these emails about church planting and having conversations with people that I found out later were planting a church. And then I was at a dinner speaking to a worship team with one of my mentors who out of the blue at this dinner said, Curtis, have you ever thought about planting a church? A week later, I was in Texas speaking at a camp and someone that I had just met for the very first time sat down next to me at a table and said, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask you a question. This might seem a little strange, but are you thinking about planting a church? It turns out this guy was from Nashville. Later on the next week when I got home from that trip, I walked in the door, my wife Sarah was in the kitchen and I said, Sarah, I think I know why we're supposed to go to Nashville. I think God's calling us to plant a church. She just looked back at me and said, yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, let me just pause right here and say for all the married couples that are watching, uh, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking something to you, he's probably speaking the same thing to your spouse. Why do I say that? Well, when you get married, two become one and the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to you will be the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to your spouse. And over the years, I've just found that the Holy Spirit and my wife, Sarah, are often on the same page. So over the course of just a few weeks, my spouse, my mentor, and someone that I had just met for the very first time confirmed a prompting that was already stirring in my heart. God will use people to confirm things. God will also use people to speak life and hope into us when we're feeling discouraged or even afraid. You know, Paul wrote many letters to the early church that was spread across ancient Mesopotamia, and he didn't do ministry alone. He had a team of people that he worked with. One of those team members was a young man by the name of Timothy. And Timothy probably felt way underqualified and way out of his league for the task of spreading the gospel in those early days. 1 Corinthians 16.10, when Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He is doing the Lord's work just as I am. See, Paul knew that Timothy would need strength and encouragement. So in his letter to Timothy, here's what he wrote, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. See, people can speak confirmation, they can speak life and encouragement, and they can also speak through uh, this, this idea of rebuke. Now, God will often use people in our lives to help get us back on course when we've gotten a little off track. This is why it's so important to have people in your life that know you, that are for you, and that you've given permission to call you out anytime they see something in your life that's you settling for less than God's best. Now hear me on this. You can't receive or give a rebuke without relationship. Let me say that again for the people in the back. You can't receive or give a rebuke to somebody without relationship. Listen, whenever you get a word from somebody, you've got to consider the source. See, I've gotten prophetic words in my life from people that have had a track record of faithfulness, and then I've also gotten some words from folks that just proved to be way off the mark. When I was a young boy, a traveling minister came to our town and gave me a prophetic word that I was going to be a soccer player that would play in front of millions of fans, leading them to Jesus. Hey, listen, this prophetic word that I received led me to pursuing soccer throughout most of my uh, middle school and high school life. And don't get me wrong, I love the game of soccer. I still do. 
but let's just be honest here. There were no college scholarships offered to me, much less any MLS teams or Manchester United knocking on my door. So I think that word was probably given in the right spirit, just got to the wrong mailbox if you catch my drift. Looking back, I didn't know the person who gave me that word from Adam. So I maybe should have given it a little bit more pause. No, on the flip side, when I was 10 years old, uh, my dad spoke to me. He said, Curtis, I'm going to plant a church soon, and you're going to be my worship leader. Now, this might not sound weird now, but at the time, I didn't play a single instrument, and the only songs that I sung in public were the songs from my favorite Disney movies. Uh, But my dad saw something in a 10-year-old, and he called it out. And for the last 25 years, I've had the opportunity to lead worship in churches, camps, and conferences. I've even had the chance to lead tens of thousands of people in praise. You see, when my dad delivered that word, it came with a deeper level of relationship and trust. Once again, consider the source. My dad also called out the potential in me in this particular prophetic word. Jesus did the exact same thing throughout the gospel with different people. He called out the potential. Hey, he called forth the boldness out of Peter when he renamed him Rock. He called forth a purity in Mary Magdalene when everybody else just saw a prostitute. And he called out the evangelist in the woman at the well who everyone else had shunned in John chapter four. Trust is the foundation of relationships. Trust is needed when receiving or when giving a word. Words that carry the most weight are often words that are spoken by people who have earned a place of trust in your life. And remember, before you take anyone's word to heart, make sure that it passes through the filter of scripture first. Consider the source. Also, just a side note, if somebody gives you a word that doesn't resonate with your spirit, I would encourage you to show them a little bit of grace. Now, just as much as someone can be used by God to give you a word, God can also use you to be his mouthpiece into someone else's life. Listen, if you're often praying for people, don't be surprised if God gives you a message to tell them. This is one of the most natural ways that God can use you in someone else's life. This doesn't mean that you have to go up to him and say, thus saith the Lord. That's usually a bit of a red flag for me, but it can often be just a word that God wants you to speak to somebody in love, truth, and grace. And if there's relationship there, if there's trust He may use you to bring somebody back on course with a gentle rebuke. Just remember as a backdrop for any words that are given or received, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Prophecy has often over the years gotten some strange things attached to it. But in scripture, prophecy would always lead back to the heart of God. Praying for others And listening to the voice of the Spirit is a great recipe to get a word for somebody. Now, before I move on, let me pause here and say this. If you're not around others, it's going to be pretty hard for you to speak into others. You can't edify the church if you're never with the church. You know, these days there's a rising sentiment that's saying that you don't need church to follow after Jesus. Many people over this pandemic have simply unplugged and stopped being around other believers and stopped going to church altogether. Now we know that you can't go to church because you are the church, but let me encourage you, if you're watching or listening to this, we need each other. 
our faith is not a solo Lone Ranger type of lifestyle. No, this is a one another lifestyle to be lived out in the context of community. So come together whenever we have our first Sunday gatherings. Let's be the church when we have our worship nights on the third Sunday every month. Get plugged into a house church on those second and fourth weeks of the month. This is the best way to find community. Faith is meant to be lived out in the context of a one another lifestyle. God uses people to speak to people, but you got to be around people for that to happen. Now, the second love language that I want to talk about when it comes to God's voice is promptings today. God will often use promptings to speak to us and nudge us in the right direction. As I shared earlier, the Holy Spirit prompted those three different people within a period of two weeks to talk to me about church planting. Yeah, I remember having a conversation uh, in the summer of 2018 with our friend Sarah Trevino, who was just asking questions about life and purpose. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to invite her to join our team here at Bridges Nashville. And sure enough, uh, the Lord was stirring in her. She went to a computer after that conversation, went to our website, began to weep over our mission, vision, and values. And just a couple of weeks before we launched in September of 2018, Sarah moved here. And here we are three years later. She's on our staff as our first impressions director. She plays keyboard on our worship team. There are countless stories at Bridges Nashville of people who have been impacted by Sarah's life. And it all goes back to a Holy Spirit prompting. Prompting is getting a nudge in the moment and acting upon it. It's seizing the day, if you will. Now, in the New Testament, there are two different words for time. There's chronos, which refers to calendar time. This is where we get our word chronology. And then there's kairos. And this is when time is measured more in moments. It's what puts Ephesians 5 into context, verses 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Remember the opening story about Joan of Arc. What would the history books say if she hadn't obeyed that prompting that she received from the Lord? Dare I say the nation of France would have never triumphed. She may have never left the farmyard and gone to the royal courts. God will often get our attention in the most unusual type of ways. Whatever he has to do to get our attention, to get us to say something, to do something, or to go somewhere. It's a prompting through the Holy Spirit. Let me share just a few ways that the Holy Spirit may prompt you. Sometimes it's waking up in the middle of the night. God may want you to get on your knees in prayer. Sometimes a prompting feels like that twisty feeling in your stomach when you know you need to say something in a moment. For me, just to let you into my world, I'll feel a shiver shoot up my spine. Anytime I feel like, man, God, are you trying to do something or say something here? He confirms it with that particular type of prompting. I don't know uh, if that's just for me. It's a nudge or a ping or a prompting. And God will get your attention sometimes with a rush of adrenaline or sometimes it's this restless feeling that you need to do something. It's a quickening in your spirit. And this is the benefit of having the Holy Spirit within us, right? It says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, promptings are more than just a conscience or a gut reaction. It's a quickening of the Spirit of God. And when you get a prompting, when you obey it, you have to be willing to look a little foolish. Look, I could have looked foolish when I invited Sarah Trevino to be a part of our team if she said, no, that's a silly idea. 
I bet those people who shared about church planting with me could have looked foolish if I would have turned that down quickly. But it's those who are willing to look foolish that God knows he can use. I think so often we ask the question, what if in a negative context, as in, what if I sound crazy? Or what if this doesn't resonate? Or what if this person totally shoots me down? I think we often ask that, but we need to switch around our thinking and ask what if in a positive light. What if this person needs to hear what I'm about to say? What if God could actually use me right here? What if I'm actually hearing from the Lord? You know, discerning the voice of God is going to take practice and time. It's just like learning a new language like Spanish or Chinese. You don't learn it overnight or instantly, but the more time you spend with God, the more you get to know his voice, the more you're going to be able to discern between the difference of the prompting of the Holy Spirit or if you just had bad pizza the night before. Listen, when God prompts you to pray, stop and pray. When God prompts you to serve, it's time to serve. And when God prompts you to give, you ought to give. You know, I shared this story before, but uh, last year at the beginning of the year, our church trailer was stolen with about $30,000 of equipment inside. A couple weeks later, Nashville was hit by a terrible tornado and it destroyed part of our city. The day after that tornado hit, somebody gave Bridges a $5,000 gift to be used for whatever we needed to use it for. And naturally, I'm thinking, man, I can replenish a lot of that gear that was stolen, but I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit that we needed to invest that $5,000 into building and giving out tornado relief kits to those who were impacted by the storm. The week we delivered those kits, nearly $40,000 came in from outside sources and donations and churches supporting us. Even our insurance kicked in with a little bit. Listen, you cannot outgive God. Following his promptings will always lead to something incredible, whether it happens in the immediate sense, like it did in that story, or if it just takes a little bit of time. Now, I want to close with the seventh language that God speaks through in the book Whisper. It's the language of pain. C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain, suffering, and loss are hard to imagine as beneficial, but without them, we'll never know that we're really alive. Like the famous quote from Alfred Lord Tennyson, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all." Job, which is actually the oldest book of the Bible, tells a story weaved with pain and suffering. And yet in Job chapter 6, verse 10, it says, At least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. Another translation says, I rejoice in unsparing pain. Huh. So often when we hit pain and suffering, our first thought is to assume that God has forgotten us or he's turned his back on us or he's not speaking in those moments. And so we run away from God. Job did just the opposite. In the midst of trials, he leaned in and he didn't deny the words of God. You know, our pain tells us something. When I put my hand on an oven burner that's turned on, that pain is telling me to retract. Uh, When I get done with a serious workout from the gym, that pain is telling my body, hey, good job. Pain comes in all shapes and sizes, emotional, relational, and physical. So many of us here at Bridges felt a pain in our hearts over these last few weeks. 
after we lost an incredible member of our church family to an untimely death, Michelle. You know, last week we did her memorial service and I felt God whisper in that moment that it's okay to be heartbroken, but you can also be filled with hope at the same time. It was a moment where God was speaking that life is short and precious and we're called to make the most of every moment. We're called to live out this life in faith, hope, and love, just the way that Michelle so beautifully did. If you want to know where God will use you, look no further than your pain. Your hurt can be someone else's healing. And it's in our weaknesses that God's strength is actually made perfect according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, listen to me. You can't lead through open wounds. You can only lead through scars, and that comes after healing. But it's often those scars that will help you relate to others. If you're in a season of pain right now, I would encourage you to respond by not retreating, but by worshiping. How did Job respond to all of that suffering? Well, it says in the book of Job that he fell to the ground in worship. David responded to his pain after losing his son with Bathsheba by worshiping God. Paul and Silas worshiped their way out of a prison cell in the book of Acts. Lean into God because it could be that he wants to speak to you during this season of trial, suffering, and pain. You know, on the cross, Jesus endured the most painful death that you could ever imagine. And through it all, God was whispering to his people, I love you. I love you so much that I'll give up my only son, my innocent son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. He gave us Jesus so that we could have relationship with with the Father God, so that we could be restored in righteousness to God. Listen, he loves you so much. He wants to speak to you and he wants to speak through you. Get in his presence. Know his voice, and that way you can discern his promptings. Let the voice of God be the loudest voice in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for the love that you have for us as displayed through Jesus on the cross. Lord, I pray for anyone who's never heard you speak that through this series, they can understand so many different ways that you speak to us. And today, through promptings and pain and people, God, that you speak that you love us so much. And right now, if you're watching and you've never made the decision to follow after Jesus, you've never taken that step of faith in Jesus, who I just described, loves you so much that he gave up his life. Man, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. You're going to see a number at the bottom of the screen. You're going to see an email to reach out to. And at some point this week, I'd love to get with you over coffee and tell you all about following Jesus. And let's continue in this attitude of worship as our band leads us today. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.